The Youthscape Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Youthscape Podcast. My name is Martin Saunders, and with me as ever, my esteemed co-host, Rachel Gardner, wearing the tartan trousers of doom. Um, you you do have some wonderful Outrageous. fashion thoughts, don't you? Fashion thoughts, and then in what well, clearly you have them in clothes shops. Oh, I, I do. I do. I like I like sale shops, and yeah. there's always a fine line for me between kind of everyday wear and theatrical wear. And you, and most days, I think I veer towards theatrical. You do wear. trip across that line quite regularly. Now, can I just, uh, yes. gentle listener, can I just explain <laughs> to you that I was asked just before we recorded this, would I like a cup? Of yes, tea, I did ask clearly that. a cup of tea. I did, and in fact, I don't know if we can make this actually the image for this this. Oh, we uh, maybe could this week's yes. podcast. But um, but I was made a gravy jug. You were of tea because I started talking to somebody downstairs about very important youth ministry business. As I was, we we don't have kettles here at YS. We have like little buttons you press and hot water comes out. So the hot water began to come out in the jug before I twigged that actually I was making a jug of tea, not a cup of tea. And then I thought, do you know what? It's Martin. He won't embarrass me. He won't make a thing of it. He will just accept the kindness of my heart and just drink the cup of tea. When you say little <sighs> buttons that you press and water comes out, do you mean taps? <laughs> you have know, taps that produce boiling hot water. Okay. This, what I don't understand is because this is, this is huge. Absolutely huge. How many bags went into this? Just one. Just one. So it's going to be... I don't know how you're going to drink it. You drink it that way, like through the nozzle? Through I don't the, know. It's not a nozzle. A spout. It's called a do spout. Do you drink down the spout? You don't oh. know the names of things. I don't know. That, I don't know what anything is. Taps and knots. Who are you? What's this? Anyway, we're doing the podcast. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is, while you begin to negotiate the jug, and he is drinking through the nozzle. I can't do it. It's a spout. <laughs> have you never? Have you never heard? Uh, I'm, really I'm a little teapot. teapot. There we go. Right. Yeah. So Martin, the little teapot, is drinking from the spout. While he's doing that. In the summer, basically, oh, I spotted Ollie Deeks, who we always do a shout out to. I spotted him in the crowds at Salsa B, and I did do this weird kind of Ollie, Ollie, and I literally climbed over the heads. You know what it's like at Salsa? Like over, over the hedge or over the heads? Over the heads of about a hundred teenagers. Oh. I, I don't know what I trod on because bless them, they're all lying there. And I literally got to Ollie and said, Ollie, I want to record you. So, so this is poor Ollie, who we always do a shout out to. Responding to this weird woman's request for a little interview. Over to you, Ollie. The Youthscape Podcast. So basically, ladies and gentlemen, I'm with Ollie Deeds. I'm with Ollie Deeds in on the first night of yes. Soul Survivor in Peaceborough. Let everyone hear your voice, Ollie. Hello. Internet, podcast, world, I don't know. Absolutely. Rachel's mum, Martin's mum. So, Ollie, um, why are you here? Why are you at Soul Survivor B? Um, well, I have brought a group of young people. Uh, we have 12 young people from my church, but we've uh, connected with other churches and we're a group of about 65 altogether, something like that. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, we're a big group. And so you great. survived because we, we got here at 9am and I cannot tell you how many tents I feel I have single-handedly put up. It's, it's a crazy first day, isn't it? So, but you've got to the end of the day, first session yeah. in the evening, and you're still smiling. What's your secret? Um, eating at the food vans. Definitely <laughs> eating at the food vans, yeah. yeah. Not have the stress of cooking, you know, just eat at the food vans. I have to say, that. my young people have eaten chicken curry from a tin. From a tin, Ollie. That's what I fed the guys. Like, they just looked at me like, what is this slop? 
And I said, you'll be grateful. So um, what are your hopes for young, your young people, bringing them to Soul Survivor then? Why? Oh, yeah, I think. Oh, no. Anyway, okay, yeah. What are your hopes for young people? Uh, the hopes is definitely for the young people to meet Jesus, to uh, deepen their relationships um, with God, and I guess just um, to feel his a tangible presence here that, that happens at Soul Survivor, but then um, for my church to kind of... Um, what's the word? I guess get on board with that and, and use that momentum that's, that's created from Soul Survivor but then to educate the young people that church isn't like Soul Survivor uh, but there is a place for them and they can start to change the church and that type of thing I guess. Oh Ollie that is so awesome I'm so glad I bumped into you. Lots lots of love keep tuning in to the podcast. Bye. The Utescape Podcast. So what I thought was interesting, let's be honest, a brief interview with Ollie, <laughs> yes. um, was uh, that distinction he draws about soul survivor and church not being the same. Mm -hmm. and, and you kind of have to educate your, your young people mm. when you take them away that no, we're, we're not expecting to be able to now replicate this uh, back in our home context. Mm. But actually there is this profound relationship between the two. And most importantly, just like the temple and the synagogue, yes. you know, God dwells in both. Yeah. And so, oh, so yeah. yeah, you know what I did there? I like so, um, so actually, um, although the experience might be very different and the level of hype and hysteria might be very different, mm. the Holy Spirit is absolutely mm. as present in the local church as in the, um, uh, uh, the context of 10,000 people listening to Rachel Gardner <laughs> preaching at Soul Survivor. Little shout out for you, Aww. by the way. There's a lot of whooping and hollering this year, Aww, isn't there? It was, they called it out to me. These these nine and a half thousand young people pulled the sermon out of my guts. Wow. They were amazing. And also, you just did that thing. You did the reverse of the filter thing because I said ten thousand and you said nine and a half. I feel like you've learned from last week's I podcast. I've learned to live filter free. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. I'm just going to try and drink out of my spout. <laughs> Carry on. And why not drink out the spout? I'm, I know that we're kind of listening to this in, in the autumn and the winter, but um, in the summer, I also um, drove down to Cornwall, and there is a festival that happens in Cornwall called Creation Fest, which is yes. free. It is free. Is it? It is free. It is free. It's a church in America that basically pay for this to happen in uh, on the showground just outside Bodmin. And it's like a, a music and arts festival. So it's for all ages. And, and really, it's the missional heart is to reach the local surfing community in Cornwall. But people can go from all around the, the UK. And I was down there this year doing some stuff in the youth tent, and it was swim. And a lovely, an old friend of mine called John Langford was there, and I wasn't expecting to see him. And, and the reason that I've interviewed him is because Jason, my husband and I have known John for a long time. He's sort of created some really great innovative mentoring resources back in the day that Jason and I have used in church for many, many years. But the thing about John is that he's this really unassuming leader, a little bit older than me, and he and his family have felt God call them out of a big city to move to Bodmin mm. to plant a church. Now, Bodmin is the place in Cornwall, and he's the one that says this, so I, I don't feel I'm being disrespectful, where everybody drives through Bodmin to get somewhere. So you don't go to Bodmin for holiday, you drive through it. And, and there's that kind of feeling in the town, I think, that actually mm. everyone just drives through and passes by. And God's called them to plant a church to and stay. to do youth work in Bodmin. They've got two teenage daughters, they've had to move schools, there's less provision for, for great stuff in, in Bodmin. It's, you know, and you suddenly realise this is a family that 
taking the call seriously to disciple the next generation has meant a yeah. whole family move for all of them, for the girls as well. And, and he has some yeah. such wisdom to say, but I just kind of want to say, wherever you are, stop you're doing, listen to this. This is the heart of a, of a man who represents a family who say, God, if you say move to reach this generation of young people, we will go. To Bodmin. To Bodmin. And I know you're hearing this in the autumn and it's cold and wet, but it's nice and sunny. And I'm with my friend John Langford and we're in Cornwall. Hello, John. Hello, Rachel. How are you? Now, I, I introduced John as a bit of a sage warrior, a kind of a legend in youth ministry circles. So you're now all pitching a man with long white beard. And he, he hasn't, he's got lovely dark hair. And uh, But you are a legend, John. Receding dark hair. Receding dark hair. <laughs> John, do you want to say, introduce yourself? Who are you? Where'd you come from? All right. So, um, yeah, I'm from Cornwall originally and now delighted to be back in the Holy Land working once again. Uh, so I'm actually a pastor of a church in Bodmin, Cornwall, right on the spine of Cornwall, just off the A30, for those of you who want a bit of geography. Um, but uh, before that, did it over 20 years, basically, in youth ministry in different places across the UK. And, and, and you have not kind of vocated yourself out of youth ministry. You're no, still in youth because ministry. actually we're studying at Creation Fest in August and uh, I'm actually still involved in the youth venue. Uh, so it's all right until they say, would you like to worship? And you, th and you try and get up off the floor. I wish they'd given five minutes warning before they said that. But <laughs> apart from that, it's great. That's right. I love it. So why are you still in youth ministry? Why are you still passionate about youth work in the local church? I think it all started for me when I became a Christian myself at 13 and uh, saw God use me in the most incredible ways in my teenage years, uh, right throughout Cornwall. Well, it was those times when choruses, as we used to call them, just came out. Graham Kendrick hit the scene. Uh, shine, Jesus, shine re resonated throughout the churches. And so we formed a little band and went and shared worship, basically. Started preaching at 14, saw many people come to Christ. Amazing. And just thought, you know, I can do this at this age. And it's, it's set in me such a belief in young people and what mm. God could do. And that God doesn't wait until you reach a certain age or stage or degree in theology. God just takes young people and uses that rawness and that beautiful beauty really yeah. and so I've just been fascinated to continue to explore that with young people right throughout those years and indeed here this week as well and that I mean that's why I know you John I think because you have stood out for me and my husband over the years as someone who really invests in in young leaders and that is quite a buzz phrase now but you were sort of saying it at a time when it wasn't really a buzz phrase and we were thinking really 14 year olds can preach um, so you developed something called TAG didn't that's you right. years ago which stands for training and growth so it was a mentoring scheme right. essentially that we put together yeah and we ran it uh, I was at St Paul's Salisbury at that, at that point head of youth work there yeah and we ran it for young people basically to really invest in them so it was mentoring but it was before mentoring really became yeah. in vogue so we were a couple of years ahead of that wave really which was a real privilege mm. and we just started to invest in young people essentially really it came because the little blighters kept meeting with different ones of us and having the same conversation <laughs> over and over again <laughs> until one of us was hoping one of us would crack and tell them what they wanted to hear and so we decided that if we put together something a bit more formal and really committed to it, we then yeah. called it a catalyst really. So those who wanted to be creative in their discipleship, really go deeper with Christ, then we said, well, if you want to really commit to that, commit to meet with one of our mentoring team on at least an hour a month, and we will take you through a scheme which basically will just be that catalyst to speed up that 
process of discipleship. Amazing. And we started there and then eventually, I mean, amazing, God took it. We sold it to over 80 churches across the UK yeah. uh, and some abroad as well. So it's, it was a phenomenal little tool, but we really did just feel in God's grace, we were ahead of that wave. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've, I'm now down in Cornwall, as I said, I had somebody in church a couple of weeks ago popped in on holiday. And basically they're guys that I've mentored over the years amazing. and to see them still going on in Christ is just awesome. And even this morning, one of my congregation, he's not a young man by any means, hope he isn't listening to this. Uh, he just walked up to me a minute ago and just said, John, I think I need to make myself accountable. Why don't we meet up? And so we're going to start to meet. So I just believe it's the way God works. It's one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. It's exactly the way I believe that it's yeah, been done right throughout scripture. Yeah. It's what discipleship is all yeah. about. It's investing in individuals. People invested in me at yeah. 13, 14 years old. What a model yeah. that was. And now I want to do that for others too. You, you used a phrase, speeding up discipleship. And I think we're so conscious, aren't we, that discipling young people is a long journey and there are no quick fixes. But so what do you mean by speeding up discipleship? Why does why does one-to-one -one do that? What, what is it about that relationship that's different to like a group Bible study? I think it's so intentional and there's nowhere to hide. So we would say, you know, you get an hour a month minimum. Some young people were asking for uh, an hour a fortnight. Some were asking for an hour at six weeks, you know, whatever. We yeah. worked that out with them. But then we used a diary scheme with the tag thing. So we actually would complete some sort of diary sheet that recorded what they were talking about, what we were saying. And therefore, when we next met a month later, it's like, so how did you do on that? When you said that you were having real anger issues with your mother, how did you do in dealing with that? And because they know that they're accountable for that a month later, they know they're going to have to talk about that then actually that spurs you into action yeah. and so that gives that catalyst that's why we called it that catalyst because it sped it up it wasn't that we say well look we'll see you next summer how do you yes. get on with your mother yes but actually it's like we'll see you in a couple of weeks or yes. call us in between and we're praying for you on that issue how are you doing on that yeah. so it just sped up that process it is accountability in a, in a, in a nutshell yeah. but it's also traveling with and that became such an important part for us but also it led to our discipleship as the mentors as yes. well yes. and that's the bit that excites me you know people say hey how did you give out so much? How did you give out so much? I received so much because actually when some kid says to you, you know, what do you think Luke meant here? You're thinking, my goodness, what did Luke mean here? Right. So, so actually you're all, then growing, yeah. you then go back, you're then, Lord, I need more of you yeah. I'm going to give out more of you. Yeah. So actually my discipleship was, a, you know, it was a catalyst for me as yeah, well. Absolutely. And isn't that the way God works? He does, absolutely. Um, so we're in Cornwall and um, this is far from home for me. I'm, I'm a North Londoner. So you can't have was, everything. No, that was amazing. Like, how, how far is this? Place. I keep, keep going down this road, I'm going to fall off the end of the cliff. Um, what is God doing in the churches in Cornwall? What is youth ministry like in the churches in Cornwall? Uh, it's tough. It's really tough. So uh, the town I'm in is Bodmin, it's, a it's on the spine as we call it, so it's inland, which means it doesn't have any of the wealth and everything that some of the coastal areas have. We're not a great tourist attraction, you know, it's a struggle. And actually across the churches, we've got 15-ish churches that are in, in Bodmin and around there. And we reckon there's somewhere between, I don't know, 25 and 30 young people that are really connected with our churches. Currently we have six young people in our youth group, we're the second largest youth group in the town. That's the sort of level we're working at. It's not true across the whole of Cornwall, but it's pretty, pretty indicative, really, of where numbers are at. It's a pretty tough place to minister at the moment. And for those young people to actually stand up in big schools, there's a lot of big schools, for them to stand up in a big school and say, I belong to Jesus, is a huge demand. And so that's part of the challenge of trying to work with them, encourage them and stand with them in, in really difficult circumstances. Wow, John, it is so good to talk with you. And I, I know I call people legends and they probably think that I say to everybody, but John, you are a legend in youth ministry and it just 
I can't tell you what it means to me knowing that you're in a church and you're working with faithfully with twos and threes and fours and young people because I think so many of us listening to this podcast that's our experience too and I think the Lord says where two or three are gathered my presence yeah. is there and so I think I would just love it if you could just pray for anyone listening to this podcast who maybe is also in a tough area small numbers beautiful young people but just the real heart for growth um, would you just pray for that? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me pray. Father God, thank you that you call us to be faithful whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Lord, I pray for anyone listening to this who just needs that extra touch of your spirit this day. Uh, Lord, would you equip them? Would you resource them? But Lord, more than that, would you envision them again and remind them, Lord, that you invested. You know, James, John, Peter, they were names that we know because you invested in them. You were dedicated to those men who went on to change the world. So Jesus, encourage, strengthen, renew and resource, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. The Youth Skate Podcast. So John talks about uh, mentoring, sort of speeding up the discipleship process. But were you mentored? Do you know I was? Yeah, yeah, I was. What age were you mentored? So I became a Christian when I was uh, 13, 14. And then uh, I had somebody from the local schools work trust who I think couldn't actually believe that they'd got one. You know, I became a Christian. He was like, right, okay, we better disciple you. So I met... They wrote, they wrote a whole new resource because of you. Yeah, I met yeah. him one-to-one in a uh, windowless church office, which would never happen would now. never happen Never happen now. I was 14. Um, and uh, that definitely would never happen now. Um, and, uh, and we went through some, some Bible studies and, and just kind of, I got a little grounding in what the Christian faith was all about. And then I was handed on to another youth leader who was from a local church. And then he probably invested in me for a good two years, wow. every week alongside, and he, was, he had a full-time job and he was the youth leader at the church. Oh my goodness. And I, his name was Phil Warburton. He's now a church leader in East London. And uh, he's an amazing guy. And we met probably every week for an hour. Wow. Uh, and he drove me home as well, that sort yeah. of thing. So what again, an another thing, another thing we wouldn't do now. <laughs> but what a shame, though. I wonder yeah. what a shame. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, it probably has affected sometimes our our ability to do some of the mentoring. I, mean, I think safeguarding is actually essential. I don't in yeah, any way yeah, want to yeah, make out that we shouldn't care for young people. But yeah. it is so different. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, the the you know aside from that, the investment was was massive, and yeah. and I think probably the fact that I now. You know, do do the job that I do is is yeah. testament to the investment yeah. that particularly Phil put into me into over years and years and years. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I don't think uh, I'd have had anything like the start in my Christian journey uh, if I hadn't had the investment of a one to one mentor. But not just for like six weeks, like no. two years. Two years, amazing. He even bought me birthday presents. Yeah, and I'm, I feel really guilty about it. He bought me the greatest hits of Bruce Springsteen. And I didn't like Bruce Springsteen at the time. Oh, and I, I sort realize. of slightly threw it back in his face. Oh. And I, I've still, I've held that guilt with me for some 25 years. We need to go and find Phil, don't we? I think we do. So actually, outside the door right now, we have someone to meet. <laughs> 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 Phil, oh, it's Phil. But that, now that's interesting because I, I, I don't think I've had an intentional mentor in my life. I've had some great people in my life who were doing volunteer youth mm, work at church mm. and stuff that hung out with me. But um, I've recently just finished mentoring a girl that I started mentoring when she was 13. Mm. We didn't meet every week. We probably met once every six weeks. 
and she has just gone off to university. And so the last two times we met before the end of the summer this year, um, I was doing the whole kind of, okay, you're going off to uni, so actually now would be a good time for us to draw a line for this, and I'm always here for you, but actually let's, let's revisit what the relationship could be. And I, and I, I really thought, okay, that would be the end. But her first week at uni, at the beginning of September, she was on the phone to me every day. It was wow. like suddenly this new experience, she really needed me. And I was expecting to pull mm, right back and mm. thinking, that's it now. So that was really interesting. Yeah, I think absolutely. actually mentoring can go on for a very, very long time, can't yeah, it? Yeah. And it's just amazing to have somebody alongside you showing you what it means to live this Christian life. Because when, mm. you're, when you're 15 and you're, yeah. you know, you have no idea, well, I didn't come from a Christian background. I had no. literally no idea what I was doing. It was so much easier for me because I had somebody actually just helping me along the way every week a one-to-one hour-long conversation where I could just ask all my questions, mm. try and figure out all the weird stuff that you know mm. people who grew up in the church would take for granted. Yes. So especially as someone who comes from an unchurched background, That's mentoring was, was the reason I stuck around, I think. So it was what John talks about. It really um, it, it's, um, exaggerated, not exaggerated, accelerated your discipleship. Did I think with this particular girl as well, one of the last sessions we sat down together, we talked about the things that we've seen God do in her life. And I suddenly mm. thought that's a real privilege as well of being a mentor in that situation is that you together can say actually that was an issue for you when you're 13 and look how you worked through it and look what God did and look where you are now and actually being able to kind of mirror to a young person this is the journey that you've been on because how often do we have people that say do you know you used to be like this on that but actually you've really grown in that and that's so empowering mm. when you see mm. that your life has you know really matured in there mm. so yeah I want a mentor Martin would you mentor me uh, Would we sit in a windowless room at the top I, of, a, of a building I think and not. drink tea out of a jug? Hang on a minute, is that what this is? That's what this is! Basically you're my mentor, we record it for a podcast. The podcast is actually <laughs> me mentoring you. And, it is the most hilarious and, thing watching and you drink that tea, I next, have to say. Next time we're going to, uh, the mentoring session is going to be around how to make tea in appropriate receptacles. <laughs> What's so funny is because you have to drink it, you have to like go with your mouth and just really make tea. I mean you brought this on yourself. I did. I can't believe I haven't pulled it on myself. Pure comedy value. Anyway, talking about pure comedy value, let me put my tea in a lovely cup. It's in a cup. Down. We've got the box of delights. It's time for the treasure box. I've noticed, even in the few weeks we've been doing it, Martin, we've got... Oh. The treasure box is breaking. Oh, no. So it is already becoming a relic of the youth ministry world. So, so are we ready? We need to welcome our yes. uh, video yes. listeners. Or, yes. Video, video listeners? You're not viewers, you're doers. If you are watching this on video, special treat, here no. is the tea. The jug of tea. Right, that is not how you make tea, is it? Look. Easy, you can drink it like this. You can, it's beautiful. It's a big cup of tea. I don't know what is moaning. Right, you open the. Right. Oh! Right, I'm going to test you. Okay, I'm going to test you and I'm going to give you three words. See if you can work this one out. Square, box, colour. Square, box, colour. Don't put them together. Square. It's square, but it's also a box. It's a box and it's colour. Yeah, I don't know. Square, colour boxes? Oh, that's a, that's a Rubik's Cube. I totally said cube. Yeah, <laughs> like, cube would have been better. And it's, oh, no, I don't think I've ever seen one, actually. Not unless you've just bought it new. Oh, has that been bought new? No, no, I'm, someone's done that. Someone's done that. I think producer Rachel, I think she's someone who's a bit of a genius. Husband Who did Dan? it? Who did it? 
Husband, husband Dan. Dan. He's okay. oh he, now he's a legend. Yes. Husband Dan's legend. He puts up the lot. <laughs> oh, just switches off at this point. Right, so what is this? It's a Rubik's Cube. It's a Rubik's Cube. Cube. Now this surely has to be one of the oldest relics of youth culture. Yeah, America. how old is the Rubik's Cube? When was it popular? What did you do with it? Surely it's the seventies or early eighties. I mean it was such a craze, wasn't it? Did people like used to get on their skateboards and do it with their big ghetto blasters on their shoulders? Is it all the yeah, same? Yeah, it's 80s, yeah, isn't it? Nah, nah, nah. It's definitely 80s. When Despicable Me 3 came out recently, which, yeah. uh, you know, is a film, so I've seen yes, it. Yes, I've seen it as well. That, uh, there was a big Rubik's Cube theme in oh, that. Yes. So I think it's an 80s thing. Oh no, I've done something. You have. You're going to get down after you. Because you. Yeah, that's the problem. That is the kind of the gospel thing, actually, is that you can be just flippant with your life. Oh, right. <laughs> I don't know if that's a gospel thing. I don't think God ever says to us, don't be flipping <laughs> Don't be flipping with your life, saith the Lord. Don't credit that to me. Um, so, uh, should we say the... Oh, look. I oh, messed it up. Look. I made a nice pattern, though. You made a cross. You like that? That's beautiful. Oh. Have, you, have you actually... Because we would have been teenagers when this was out. Yeah. So, have you seen any kind of Rubik's Cube? What, gospel, gospel talk? Stuff? I don't think I have, but I feel like between us, we, we have the firepower to be able to do that. I have a feeling that our kind of penchants for making card-based resources could shift to being cube-based resources. Oh, you think we should make a Rubik's Cube? I think it's quite, because it is quite addictive, isn't it? Like, I it is, except I've messed it up and I don't know how to un-mess it up. Just drink your tea and let's get the envelope and let's work out. Listen, I'm going to think of a gospel illustration, okay, while I'm drinking this. Just watch him drink his tea. It is utterly hilarious. <laughs> let's just pour some on you. <laughs> Funny. Right, so are you going to give me an actual year? Let me tell you. We uh, have an actual year. 1980. 81. Oh! As of, oh, uh, but as of January 2009, 350 million cubes have been sold. Wow. Make it the world's top-selling puzzle game. Which is fascinating because it is the most frustrating thing and the vast majority of us can't actually do it. No. So why is it popular? Is it that inbuilt problem-solving capacity that we have? We just convinced that we will be able to do it today. I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm angry about this now. I've I've messed it up, and I can't unmess it up. Well, there we go. There's a gospel message right there. Jesus can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Oh, it's true, isn't it? But it's true though. But maybe that's wow. What it is. So people, 1981. I wonder if anyone listening and watching has got one of these stashed away somewhere. Well, I, yeah, this was a youth culture craze, wasn't it? it? Was I think it was still a craze when I was at school, but then they had Rubik's Magic. Oh, Do you ever see that with the plastic? Mm, yes. Well, it was different, but I haven't seen one of those. Do you know what I'm looking forward to? I'm looking forward to when in the box is the Bop It game. Oh, yeah. Because that's, that's a good craze. So, um, I've messed it up. Absolutely. Could you just give this back to your husband? And, just say... Sorry, Rachel. He's probably spent years like, yeah, getting weeks, it like that. Weeks doing that. Oh, sorry. Anyway, we have got some shout outs to have oh, yeah. some dear friends. Oh, say. so we should say hello to Sarah Long, I think. Needs to be Is added. she adding to the list? We've not had a kind of a, a, a summit about this, but no. I would like to now okay. add her to the list. So we, we hello to Sarah Long. Yes. Hello to Ollie Deeks again. Yes. Hello to Mrs. Deeks. <laughs> hello to Vicky Pickett Genge. Oh, and hello to High Priest Len Kegler from Nyack. Czar of American Universities. We love you all. Amen. <laughs> Drink tea.